chapter 7. I want to, I'm not going to stay in the book of Acts. I, even the, the purpose, I, Stephen said this, I'm not going to talk about the purpose of it, but every once in a while I like to see the, the, how they, they view other things in the, in the Word of God through a different lens. And I could take you, and we will go to uh, the book of Exodus chapter 3 and chapter 4 here in a moment. But I thought maybe it would be good just to see it in a different lens, see it in the lens and the teaching of Stephen. Uh, Stephen is a, an incredible character in the Word of God, person that, that you, don't, you don't see much of. Everybody knows he was stoned, but you don't really pay attention to all the stuff that happened before. But before Stephen was stoned, he preached a message and he pretty much put the Jewish leaders in their hypocrisy, he put them in their place. He, he said, just to tell you kind of the context, he said, you know, you, you haven't obeyed the word of God basically from the beginning of time. You're always finding ways to circumvent the word of God. Why would you then, why should I believe that you would hear God himself come down to earth? And it kind of made them mad, so they stoned him. But I want you just to quickly see how he described Moses. He said that that uh, in in in, Exodus, or in Acts chapter seven in verse uh, nineteen, Pharaoh dealt shrewdly with our race and forced our fathers to expose their infants so that they would not be kept alive. And at this time, Moses was born. He was beautiful in God's sight. He was brought up for three months in his father's house. And when he was exposed, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him up as her. Son And Moses was instructed in all of the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in his words and deeds. And when he was 40 years old, so this is the first time that you kind of have a time frame, Moses. When Moses was 40 years old, he came to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. Let me kind of paraphrase. He saw one of them being whipped, uh, you know, in, in, that, in that act of slavery. And so he defended the oppressed, avenged, uh, struck down the Egyptian, killed the Egyptian and he thought that his own people would kind of know what was going on and they said they didn't look at Moses as an Israelite they looked at Moses as the son of Pharaoh they looked at Moses as uh, an Egyptian and so they did not connect they didn't uh, uh, appreciate what he did later on Moses saw a couple of Israelites fighting and he tried to separate them and they kind of said well are you going to do what you did to the Egyptian are you going to kill one of us and Moses fled, became an exile in the land of Midian where he became the father of two sons. Now verse 30. Now when 40 years had passed, so if, if Moses was 40 years when he kind of came out of Pharaoh's house and started walking among the Israelites and now he's 40 years later, so that means he's 80 years old. An angel appeared into him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in the flame of a fire in a bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. He drew near to look, and there came the word, the voice of the Lord. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, and of Isaac, and of Jacob. And Moses trembled and dared not to look. And the Lord said unto him, Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you are standing on is holy ground. I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and heard their groaning, and I've come down to deliver them. And now I will send you to Egypt. And then Moses goes... The Bible says he was led them out and he was at the Red Sea in the wilderness for 40 years. 40 plus 40 plus 40 is 120. If you look at the end of Deuteronomy, it says Moses was 120 
when he died at the edge of the wilderness. That's how Stephen examined the life of Moses. And I want to take you on a journey. I don't I have a title, but every time I try to say it, I get tongue-tied, so we'll see if it comes out during the, during the uh, uh, sermon or not. Otherwise, I'll have to write it out for Brother Tom Harding so he can put it on there. But I, there's three phrases that come into play in the life of Moses, especially around this time of the burning bush. And I want to examine each of these three phrases and then watch how they come to play throughout the Word of God and hopefully you'll allow the word to speak to you. Would you bow your heads and would you ask the Lord to let his word speak to your heart in Jesus' name. Father, we love you, we thank you, and we bless you. We're thankful that you are here. You've allowed us to worship you. You've allowed us to come into your presence. And God, we're going to continue to do that all throughout today. Would you now let your word, that alive word, speak to our hearts, our minds, and our souls. And God, let us hear what you have to say in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. When I was at Because of the Times uh, and different ones were, were preaching and I had my, my little notebook out, I began to write some things as they, they began to uh, uh, preach. And there was a, Brother uh, uh, Anthony Mangan mentioned, and I, I kind of liked how he broke up the life of Moses. He said for the first 40 years, Moses thought he was a somebody. He was the son of Pharaoh. For the next 40 years, Moses wandered around the backside of a desert thinking he was a nobody. And then for the last 40 years, he let God turn him into a somebody. And there's some truth to that statement as you look at Moses. I'm not the first one to connect all these dots. Anthony Mangan had said, and I've heard at other places, that at the burning bush, the here am I, met the I am. And that's those phrases that I want to look because there was another phrase that began to catch my eye. If you want to, you can turn to the book of of Exodus chapter 3. Allow me to go over once again the story of Moses, but this time pull these three phrases in. That there in that desert, Moses is keeping the sheep of his father-in-law Jethro there, the priest of Midian, and he leads them, the Bible says, to the west side of the wilderness, came to Horeb, the mountain of God. This is the same mountain that later on he would climb. They call it Mount Sinai from then on. It's the same place where he would have gotten the, the Ten Commandments and the rest of the law. But Moses was there, and that angel of the Lord, which again does not mean an angel the way we think. It's a theophany. It's a manifestation of God. God met him. God appeared unto him in the flame of the fire in the midst of the bush. And Moses looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. This one phrase... Is, c- contains more truth, I believe, than many, uh, 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 for many things in our life, and that is the turn. That the bush was burning before Moses got there. I want you to understand, in Moses' life, Moses didn't come to a place, go on a long prayer and fasting day, and then God suddenly appeared. The bush was burning before Moses saw it. God was already prepared. God had it all in mind. God had it all planned out. But it completely hinged on whether or not Moses would turn and come to where God was. 
I know that God can do anything, and I'm not limiting God. But I have been alive long enough and read my Bible enough times to realize that God doesn't force his way on anybody. And, and it was, it was uh, you know, you, you've heard people say, why does, you know, why does God let people do bad things? Why does God let people sin? Why, why, why? And they're always putting the onus on God, when in reality, the onus should be, why don't people listen to the word and the voice of God? If somebody is sick and 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 they are they they you know maybe they've been bitten by a snake and uh, the snakes here in, in North America. In fact, most snakes around the world there's varying uh, uh, levels of of the poison that those snakes uh, contain. But really, there's not a snake alive that they don't have an antivenom for. And so, if you've been bit, as long as you can get to a place where that antivenom is. Uh, your chances of survival are pretty good. But why would anybody, and I can't imagine anybody, blaming the, the, you know, the snake or blaming God. If you got bit by a snake and then you went and sat in front of your TV and watched the Super Bowl and never, went to, uh, you know, never, never got to a place where the antivenom was. You wouldn't blame that. You would blame the person because they never took a, a, a detour and said, I'm going to go to where the answer is. So it is in Moses' life that he made that turn. And he gets to where the bush is. And as he gets to the bush, he sees that it's not burn, or it's burning, but not consumed. And the Lord calls to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And here's the first phrase I want you to hear. Moses said, Here am I. Here I am. Here I am. God said, Don't come near, take the sandals off your feet. The place you're standing is holy ground. I'm the God of your father, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. Moses hid his face. He was afraid to look at God. And then the Lord begins to lay out his plan. I've seen the affliction of my people there in Egypt. I've heard their cry. I've heard their groaning. I know what's going on. I, I'm, I'm there. I'm aware. And uh, I don't know exactly how old Moses was here, if he was approaching that 80 years or, or if he waited a little bit before he went to Egypt. We don't know perhaps that exactly. But, uh, you know, God said, before you were born, I'd already set up the plan. I made sure that you were going to be safe. I made sure that you wouldn't be killed in the genocide that, that Egypt uh, put upon the Israelites. And and, and I, I've come, I want to deliver them out of Egypt. I want to bring them to this Canaan's land that I promised Abraham. I've got it all ready to go. And I'm going to use you. I, I'm going to use you. you. You're in a unique place. If anybody can walk back into Pharaoh's courtroom, it can be the son of Pharaoh or the brother of the current Pharaoh. I said, I've chosen you. And then that second phrase. Moses said to God, who... Am I? He did the right thing by saying, Here I am, but now he answers, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Later on in chapter 4, uh, Moses says to uh, you know, God, He says, I, I can't talk, I stutter, I've got all these issues going on, I don't know what I'm going to do, I don't know how it's all going to happen, I don't know how, how it's all going to play out, and it made God mad, and there were some things that changed there. And, Aaron got introduced in the midst, but it's this phrase of, of Moses that says, who am I? Who am I? And God says, well, let me help you out. You're going to 
I'm going to send you a sign because when you've brought the people out of Egypt, you'll come back to this exact same mountain and you'll serve God on the mountain. And Moses said, yeah, but I've tried to help my people before and they didn't accept it. And when I walk into them, now 40 more years have passed and I come to the children of Israel and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you and they're going to ask, what is his name? What am I going to say to them? God said unto Moses, I am who I am, or the King James, I am that I am. Say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. I want to just, and and this is where I, I, every time I try to say it, it kind of gets jumbled up, but it's real simple. The who I am or who am I won't matter if you'll say here I am to the great I am. There's there's a way in Moses' life that because he stopped and answered the Lord, the who am I no longer mattered. And I know that in our lives we have those moments where we ask that same question, who am I? What do I have? What do I matter? But it will not matter if you'll say, here I am, when the great I am speaks. I want to take you to one more place because I know perhaps you've seen that in Moses' life, but let's look at another place where perhaps not the exact same phraseology occurs, but the same uh, 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 way of, of thinking occurs, and you find it in the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah, looking at chapter number 6. Isaiah 6, in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah said, I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him the seraphims each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The foundations of the temple shook. With him, the voice of him who called, the house was filled with smoke. And here's that, who am I? And I said, woe is me. For I am lost and I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the king of the glory. If you begin to look down a little bit, if you begin to uh, see what he says, one of the seraphims flew to me having his hand of, uh, take, having in his hand a burning coal that he took off of the tongs of the altar and he touched my mouth and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt has been taken away. Your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go up for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. It's very similar, similar circumstances. Both question who they were. Both question if they could. Both question, am I really the one that you want? Who am I? But when you answer the call of God, when God begins to say, Moses, Moses, or Isaiah, or who will go, when you answer, here I am, the who am I won't matter at all. Throughout the pages of Scripture, you find other places where this is recorded. There's a truth that I hope you catch out of this. You've got to learn to answer, here am I. If you'll join me on a journey for just a few moments, would you turn with me to the book of Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22, another one of these occurs. 
it's, it's the testing of Abraham. And after these things, God tested Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Here I am. You know, things would be a lot different if Moses would not have turned to the bush. You ever played that, that, that game, and maybe it's not the right game to play, but you ever played it and tried to figure out what life would be like if you wouldn't have gone this way or if you wouldn't have gone that way? Kind of look back and, 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 and you know, keep it light. Don't, don't get morbid. Don't get crazy. Just keep it light when you do that. You can, you can really mess your mind up if you take it too far. But kind of think, what, what would life have been? What, how would the Bible have been indifferent? We know that God's will would still have been accomplished. We understand all of that. But the players would have been different. If Moses that day would have been walking along and not mattered and got so caught up into watching the sheep there and, and not turned aside to see. And then what would have happened if the voice would have called Moses, Moses, and Moses would have gotten scared and ran away, never answered, here am I, what would have changed? What difference it would have been if the father of the faithful, Abraham, when God tested Abraham, and he said, here I am, here I am. I wonder if Abraham you know, before God offered the ram in the bush, I wonder if Abraham said, man, I really shouldn't open my mouth. I'd have been just fine if I could have just kind of kept on sleeping, hit snooze, and I'd have never had to take in Isaac on this journey. But he chose to answer the great I am when God began to call. And it's that here I am that changes your destiny. It's that here I am that changes the who am I of our life. You can keep going. You can go to 1 Samuel. You can walk down the path to 1 Samuel chapter 3. A similar phrase, similar things. The Lord, the, the, the Bible says the boy Samuel is ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. This is because you're walking out of and and actually maybe kind of still in the book of Judges where the Bible says every man did what was right in their own eyes. And there rose a generation that knew not the works of of God and the works of their fathers. And so you're you're, you're in this place where Israel is beginning their decline. They're, they're, They're not hearing the voice of God because they're not in the right frame of mind, they're not in the right place and and so it's not normal in this time frame to hear God's voice but there the Lord called to Samuel verse 4, the Lord called to Samuel and Samuel said here I am now we know the story goes he he thinks Eli has called him and so he says here I am and then he runs in to Eli and he says I'm, I'm here, you called me and, and, and Samuel said I didn't call you. you you know go back to sleep and so Samuel goes back to sleep and the Lord calls again Samuel and, 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 and Samuel says here I am runs into Eli's bedroom says I'm here what do you need and Samuel says or Eli says I'm not calling you go back to sleep finally the Lord called Samuel a third time he went and he tells Eli here I am you've called me and finally Eli shakes the cobwebs from his head and realizes there's something holy going on God's calling and he says here's what I want you to do the next time that you hear this voice call. I want you to tell him, say, speak, Lord, your servant hears. Or once again, here I am. The Lord calls Samuel again that fourth time. Samuel, Samuel. 
Samuel said, speak for your servant hears. If I could take that phrase and change it just a little bit, it's one more time where Samuel says, here I am. And of course, God begins to speak to Samuel and it opens up the door for the the the. Uh, you know, David being anointed king and then David's kingdom that has no end ultimately uh, uh, cumulating in, in, in Jesus' birth and king of kings and lord of lords. Here I am. Here I am. Or, or what about a New Testament illustration? If you would, you can turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 9. Let's look at a New Testament uh, uh, time that this occurred. It's after the conversion of Saul. It's Acts chapter 9. We'll be looking at verse 10 here in a moment. But it's it's the conversion of Saul there on the road to Damascus. And, And he's there. He's blind. He's being led by the hand into Damascus. Three days he doesn't eat. Three days he can't see. And verse 10 of Acts chapter 9. Now there was a disciple there by the name of Ananias. And the Lord said unto him in a vision, Ananias? And Ananias answered, Here I am, Lord. Ananias was about to get the shock of his life as God says, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to go down and find this one whose name is Saul. And I need you to lay your hands on him so he can regain his sight. And there's a, 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 a change. There's a conversion happening. There's salvation that's been poured out. And I need you to be a part of that. And Ananias starts backing up. He says, wait, wait, wait. I know I said here I am, but I know this Saul. I know what he's done. I know all the things that he's he's accomplished. I know all the people he's killed and imprisoned. Are you sure you really want him? And the Lord said, don't, don't, don't question who I call. But it all starts with a here I am. It all starts with a here I am. There, there's a few things that, that I, I look at this and and, and one thing that jumps out is that all of them said, here I am, without knowing exactly what God wanted them to do. You ever had a, somebody come up to you? Sometimes pastor does this. Um, Brother Travis Amron, and, and, and I'm very thankful we've got, uh, as you can tell, we've changed a little bit up here on the baptistry platform. By the way, how many of you just realized that when I said it? <laughs> Okay, good. I'm glad. Changed up. Brother Travis Amrine was up here. Uh, Brother Jared. Brother uh, 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 Andrew Singleton was up here. Brother Randall a little bit. And then uh, Adam and and uh, his brother, Matthew, and Zane came up. But uh, brother, brother Travis told me, he said, man, this is the last time I answer the phone at Thursday night at, at, at 6 o'clock and say, what do you need, Pastor? He said, I'm never going to answer that way again because Travis was up here for quite a bit getting all this up. You ever done that? Somebody comes up to you, Brother Miller, and says, hey, would you do me a favor? What do you say? Depends on what the favor is. Anybody ever asked, answered like that? Depends on what the favor is. Because we like to know all the details. We want to know exactly what it entails before we say, here I am. But in these places where I've read, there's the here am I before you know all the details. So I want to ask you a question. Are you brave enough, trusting enough, willing enough to answer when God calls you to say here I am without having to have it all laid out right away? But the here I am will change 
the who am I. In my life, I'm, I've, I've learned, and, and, and we've been preaching this, I've been teaching this, I've been hitting on this, and I, I hope you're catching it, that the call of God is much more than just calling you to a pulpit or calling you to a church or calling you to be a preacher. The call of God is something that is, should be active in every one of our saints' lives on a daily basis, the call of God. He calls you and says your name out loud, and he's wondering if you're willing to say, here I am. Oh, I, I know, I know. First off, let me, let, let, let me start at the beginning because that's a good place to start. Oh, I know you were dead in your sins and trespasses. I know that you were born in iniquity and shaping, or shaping in sin and born in iniquity. I understand all of that. I know that we're broken in our sins. I know that as humans we're, we're not fit for the kingdom. I realize all of that. But that moment you stepped at an altar somewhere and you said, here I am, it changed the who am I. The old sinful man, when, when, when Saul answered, here I am, when Saul responded uh, to the call of God, it changed his life, it changed his destiny. He was a new man in Christ Jesus. That's what the book of Romans says. All things passed away, behold, all things are become new. And so today I'd like to just tell somebody, I think I know my audience today, I, I think I understand who each and every one of you are, but if for some reason you're here today and salvation has not been obtained in your life yet, I'd like to tell you that if you would stop and respond to God's call, that here I am will change your life. I know you can say, but who am I? I'm just a broken old sinner. I'm lost. I've, I've come short of the glory of God. I've, I, I don't deserve it. I understand that I've said those same things. But if you answer the here I am, the who I am won't matter. Because that burning bush has been there all along. That, that, that God had it all figured out. God had it all planned. I'd, I'd love to know. Maybe I'll ask him during the times of eternity when we're up there. How long was that bush burning before Moses got there? same is true with our salvation. The Lord purchased our salvation long before you were born. And if you will, allow me to just kind of use the analogy. That bush has been burning for a long time, and it just takes your, 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 your passing by it. And, and I wonder just perhaps, and maybe I'm, I could be taking it way out of context. I wonder if Moses had passed that bush by at all before he finally saw it. Because I know in some of your lives... You passed by that bush of salvation many times. But one day you finally said, you know what, I'm going to turn aside and see what this thing is about. I'm going to turn aside and see what this church thing is all about. I'm going to turn aside and see if this uh, 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 Holy Ghost that, that I keep hearing about, I'm going to turn aside and see if it's okay. And the moment you turned aside and the moment that you stepped there and the Lord began to call to you, when you said, here I am, changed the who am I. That's what the great I am can do. That's what he does in our lives. He says, you know what, don't worry about what you bring to the table. You just come sit at the table and let me do the rest. Don't worry about what, what abilities and talents and, and, and all of that you can do. I just need you to show up and let me do the rest in your life. But because I do know my audience, because I do understand that you're sitting here and 
perhaps the salvation aspect, you've already walked, you've already answered that call, you've already stepped to that place, you've already said, here am I. But I want to challenge you, have you answered the next call? I'm thankful for salvation, I am. I'm thankful that you answered the call to be filled with the Spirit, to be baptized in Jesus' name, but that's not where He wants to leave you. There's other plans that He has for you. In fact, I could could say without hesitation, I was going to preach, really I was going to teach Wednesday and I'm probably going to end up putting it together in a, in a document and just making it available to y'all because it wasn't so much preaching as I just wanted to put some Bible verses together. But Wednesday night, of course we didn't have service because of the when it started to snow it began to get very slick and I wrestled with it, I really did. I wrestled with Dewey Can so I knew it wasn't going to be a big snow but as us pastors do, we start calling each other. And finally, I came to a place where I said if to the other pastors, if you're canceling, I'm canceling. And they said, well, if you're canceling, I'm canceling. So we just both decided to cancel. And I'm, I'm glad we did. There was a pretty bad wreck that happened here uh, kind of in front of our church, T.R. Hughes area, uh, because of the roads got really bad. But I, I was already prepared. I was going to talk to you. And, and, and really, there wasn't going to be much commentary. I was just going to put some Bible verses together about the sanctity of life. Because we, we're in this place right now It just blows my mind I'm not, I'm not trying to get off on a rabbit trail but It just blows my mind that We could ever have a discussion about Abortion up until the time of birth And even now Virginia governor Talking about abortion after birth I just I don't get it And so rather than being an activist I'm not, I'm not saying we need to go pick an abortion uh, uh, Clinics that's, that's not what God's called us to do But I, I think we do need to know what the word of God says not even so much about abortion, but about the sanctity of life. And, and, and so, Brother Pyramid, I had a bunch of verses that we were just going to kind of go through. Not, it may have been a pretty short sermon, I don't know, but just go through the verses and just see how important and how God puts his hand in lives. And it's verses like this. It's, before you were born, I knew you. That even, and I didn't go in and I didn't read it, but, but by the way, one of the most just because we're here in the book of Exodus when Moses says I stutter I don't I can't speak real good so you don't want me the Lord says if you stutter it's because I made you if you're mute or you're halt or you're lame go go read Exodus 3 and 4 he says it's because I made you and so even those that would say well if my and I know I'm getting off but I, I just have to say it, if my if my unborn child's going to have a, a deformity or or something maybe we should just end it well the bible says if your child has a deformity god made them I could keep going on that, and, and, and it is, but just, I'm going to provide it. Hopefully this week we'll have it out and, and give it. That way you can have these Bible verses so that you can know what the Bible says and how it plays out. And it's not so much about why abortion is wrong. That should be just kind of a duh moment. And be honest, Brother Bob, I don't think you even need Bible to know why that's wrong. But it's good to have Bible to know how we were created how we were formed and how much God, God doesn't just get into our lives when we get filled with the Holy Ghost. 
God's in your life before you were even conceived. You need to understand that God cares for you long before you receive the Holy Ghost, long before you're baptized. You were made in the image of God, and He knows you, and He formed you in the womb. And so what I'm trying to tell somebody today is you're another Moses in the making, that even before Moses was born, God said, I got the plan for Egypt's downfall and the plan for Israel's release from that captivity. I've got it all planned out. It's this little boy named Moses. I know they don't understand why and how and what and, 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 and I'm sure Moses' mom for those three months was excited and then can you imagine the day that Moses' mom had to give up Moses to Pharaoh's daughter and can you imagine I don't know how long or if, if Moses' mom got to see Moses a lot I, I don't know if as Moses grew if he came back to visit mom I don't know all of that but all I know is for 80 years God had a plan and it all hinged on here I am now don't get me wrong God's plan will always be accomplished it doesn't matter if 1400 people say here I'm not God will do his plan if this church up and folds and I quit preaching the gospel it's not going to change God's ultimate plan but it sure will mess God's plan for right now just when I think about that and I realize the, the gravity and the weight and the burden and how important you and you and you are to the call of God I realize that we've got to learn to answer here am I God waited 80 years for Moses to say here am I Moses, I got a plan. I, I don't. I, I can't do it. I'm. I'm no good. Who am I to do this? And God said, "You're missing the point. Because you said, here I am. The great I am will fill in all the blanks. You don't have to know how to speak. Just get there. I'll fill your mouth. You don't know how to operate and all of that. What do you got in your hand? I got a staff. I'll just throw it on the ground. Snake. It had never done that before, but that was because it was in the hand of Moses. And Moses was not in the hand of God at that moment. But the moment that God said here, or the moment that Moses said to God, Here I am, he suddenly had power to throw down a stick and it turned into a snake. Now pick it back up. For some of y'all, that would be the greatest miracle. Not that it turned into a snake, but that you'd be willing to pick it back up. Pick it back up. Put your hand in your breast. Pull it out. It's leprosy. Put it back in. Now it's clean. And all because he said, Here am I. Would you stand today with me? I told the staff that was going to be on the platform this morning that it's a very simple sermon, and it is. But it contains eternal consequences. you got to be willing to answer the great I am with here I am so that the who am I won't matter anymore. Who am I? Well, if I'm in Christ Jesus, I'm a new creature. Who am I? Well, if I'm walking with Jesus, I've got everything. He, he, he's able to take care of all that and work it in. Who am I? So I wonder today what call, what burning bush, if you will. I wonder what burning bush has God placed in your life. I wonder what thing God has placed that He's just been waiting for you to 
turn aside and check it out and then let him speak to you. And in doing so, he's wanting to hear that phrase, here I am. Here I am. And if the here am I is given, the who am I won't matter. Would you close your eyes and would you let the Lord speak to you now personally? The word of God is spoken on a corporate level, but would you let the word of God speak to you personally? Why don't you try to identify where that burning bush is? Why don't you try to see where that burning bush has been been present? You just haven't seen it yet. But would you talk to him? It's all part of what I've been preaching for the last, seems like half a year.